Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Hey church, how are you doing? Doing good? Come on, how are you going today? We're in church, come on, this isn't like, we're not at no funeral, we're at a celebration today. The house of God's meant to be exciting and, uh, and a great place, and it is. Thank you worship team, aren't they amazing? Our worship team here, consistent and faithful, amazing week after week. And uh, I get to see a bit of behind the scenes. My name's Stephen. Uh, I'm the location pastor of our central location downtown. We meet every week. So if you're wondering, like, who's this guy? I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him for a while. Trust me, I'm in church every week. I'm just at the downtown location. And I get the great privilege of speaking here today, which, which is a great privilege. And, uh, and I love being um, here, home at West. And we're one church, two locations, but it's uh, just exciting to be a part of. But I also wear the hat of being the creative director or overseer of C3 Calgary at the church. So I get to see a bit of behind the scenes. And as much as you look at this very amazing, talented, well-prepped team and you hear the production and sound, the reality is in the, in the last couple of years, um, they've been carrying a, such a huge load on their shoulders and been faithful and consistent. But we, I'd love to extend an invitation to you. Any of the musicians, any singers, any production people, if you're willing to learn that, we would love your help and um, love you to be a part of the team. Because part of being in the body of Christ, and, and we all have a part, is we have a part to play. And for a season, these guys and the teams here at church have been carrying a, a weight, and, uh, and that's what we do for each other. We serve and love each other. But we also want them to be able to sustain that for the long run, don't we? We want to be a church where we're helping and serving each other. So maybe if God's putting on your heart in this season, hey, I've been out for a while, I'd like to join a team, um, or maybe you haven't even thought about that, you, you don't realize what goes into it, then I'd just like you to pray about that, and then if the Lord's prompting you, if you're a musician or you want to uh, get involved in, in particularly um, highlighting this team today, but any of the teams at our church, why don't you see the information table or see us, and I know the worship team would, would love that as well. You could come and see some of them. But they're amazing. Let's give it up for them again and everybody who helps put on an atmosphere and provide an atmosphere for God to move. I'm excited to get to preach the Word today. I love preaching the Bible. I'm passionate about the Bible. And we've been getting up and down and up and down today. It's not just about spiritual capacity here at C3 Calgary. It's physical capacity as well. We've been standing up so much. But I have a Word today that I think uh, is for us, I know is for us, and that God is reminding us that He is a God of power. Can you say power? Power. And that God is an active God. And it's not just information, it's transformation that he has for us today. So I, I'm going to preach from uh, the book of Acts chapter 1. I like to share a lot of Bible. I'm glad that I'm with people who love the Word of God and you like a lot of the Bible too. But I want to give us some context because we had Easter uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Wasn't I was about to say last week. And, uh, and such a powerful time across our locations. And we're going to pick it up in the, in the story um, just after Jesus has, has, has gone to the cross, he's died for our sins, he's rose again, 
and then he's, he's hanging out with his disciples. He's come to visit them again. And I love the book of Acts, and it's really a partner book with the, the um, book of the Gospel of Luke. It's written by the same author, Luke, and traditionally in the church, these would be packaged actually together as one book. And Luke's awesome because Luke's actually a doctor or a physician. Do we have any doctors in the house today? Maybe online if you're a doctor. We love doctors and, um, and we need doctors. They're amazing. One thing I've learned about doctors is they're not easily impressed. Am I right? Has anyone, like you, you go to a doctor sometimes and I'm like, doctor, I've got a sore foot. And then they're like, no, no, like they, you know, they they they've seen a lot, they know a lot, they've done a lot. But what I love about Luke is, even though he's a doctor, he uh, and so he does his research. He goes out and he goes and and gathers the information and gets, sees the eye te- um, eyewitness testimonies of the scripture. And he is so impressed by the proof and the evidence that's given to him that he writes two books that we have in the Bible. See. Doctors aren't easily impressed, but Luke's impressed because the gospel, the good news of Jesus is impressive. It's amazing. And, and, and Luke, um, if you're a thinker here today, if you're someone who, who uh, kind of needs proof and evidence, well, you're in good company because the author of Luke and Acts would have been like that too and concluded that Jesus is the Son of God and that there's the power of God for you and I. Uh, I've given who the author is. He's writing, a, a, it almost is a letter to Theophilus, who was, uh, we don't know much about him, but he's a, an authoritative figure uh, in the Old Testament, probably Roman, and he's kind of, may have even commissioned Luke to go out and, and gather this, or uh, Luke's reporting back to him. So that's what you'll see here in this name. Who's ready for the Word today? Who's ready for the Scriptures of God? God breathed Scriptures. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, speaking of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Jesus is alive. I love that. And he proved that through what we've kind of celebrated at Easter time there and saw. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel or to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. Can you say power? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I want to hear you say power again. Power. Yes. Power. This is beautiful, and this is the life for you and I, a powerful life. Where the Holy Spirit's present, it says, wait. When the Holy Spirit comes, the power of God will be there. So in my head and the way that my brain works is that if I don't have power in my life, if I don't have uh, the power of God present and I'm not aware of it, um, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to be present? Because where the Holy Spirit is, there is power. This is an amazing thing. I want to unpack this idea today. Maybe you can relate to this. Uh, Maybe you 
we'll pretend that you've never done this thing and I'm just the silly guy up here who's done this. But I don't know if you've ever unpackaged anything, you've bought something, uh, maybe you worked uh, doing home renovations or I, I work construction sometimes. This actually happened to me a couple weeks ago. Don't tell my boss, who's my brother-in-law, um, that I, I was taking a tool, right, and I had all the pieces and I, it was a jackhammer that maybe you've unpacked something new in your house and you set it up and you go to press the power button and nothing turns on. I did this with a jackhammer. I lugged it up. Um, miles and miles of stairs, okay, a few stairs, this big heavy jackhammer plugged in. It had all the pieces, assembled it together, went to press the power button, and nothing happened. Anyone had anything like that happen before? And so yet what you do, I mean, for me as a, as a guy, what I do is I, I sit and I stare at it for a while, thinking that that's going to fix it, right? And scratching it, play around and disassemble it, reassemble it, put all the pieces together again. Then I go to press the button again, and nothing can anyone relate to me up here today? Like, yeah, it's frustrating experience, right? And then all of a sudden, after a little while of, of waiting, it dawned on me. The revelation came, the, the clouds parted, the beam came out. Have you plugged it into the power outlet yet? So, of course, go back down the stairs, back down the stairs, and the cord's sitting on the ground there, not plugged in. Come on, I can't be the only one who's done that kind of thing. Yeah, come on, thank you. Can I get a witness in here that I'm not the only one? But you know, I think this is sometimes representative or, or a fun analogy of actually how we live our Christian life. And that we, we have all the pieces. We're going to church, reading our word, we're, we're meeting, and we're doing the, doing the right things. And it's assembled right, but we're frustrated because we're not feeling, it's not fulfilling, it's not satisfied, it's not where we think it should be. And I think often the missing ingredient, the thing that's happened, maybe in uh, accidentally, maybe we haven't been aware of it, maybe something's happened, but actually we're unplugged from the power source, the power of God, the Holy Spirit that's meant to make it all work when we bring it together. And I believe the picture I got for today is that some of us have been trying and working and wanting to make the power of God happen when it's just simply going back to the cord and seeing if it's still plugged into the outlet. The Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes, the power of God will come when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So go wait. I don't think we're okay with waiting for the power of God sometimes. I know I'm not. Like, like I'm... Brittany sometimes thinks that, like, I've, I've got problems. My wife, Brittany, I mean, she doesn't think that. She knows that. But, like, if I have to sit in a lineup or a, a lineup at the Safeway or something for more than a couple minutes, I start to get fidgety. And I'm not good at waiting. I'm like, Britt, can't we just pre-order it so we can just walk in and get it? But I think I'm like that in my faith sometimes. And I'm wanting the power of God to manifest. I'm wanting the Holy Spirit to come. But, but am I willing to wait for the awareness of the Holy Spirit to come upon me where the power of God is active? Many of us, we have the pieces, but are we plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit? 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. 2 Peter 1.3, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life, and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. A life lived for Christ, a life following God, 
is meant to have power in it. We're called to have powerful lives. We live in a a day and age, I don't know if you know and uh, you've observed, I'm sure you have, and I've felt this, and it can sometimes creep into us as believers that it's much easier to be a victim than a victor. It's much easier to be um, powerless and think that we don't have any power than, than powerful. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, it's much easier to slip into the thinking that, well, circumstances are what they are and I can't do anything about it and I can't overcome, so I just got to settle back and quieten down and just get along and just survive. But actually, we're not just meant to survive. We're meant to thrive as the people of God. We're meant to have power. If we're following Christ and living out the fullness of the power of God, we are not victims. We are victors. We are not powerless, but we are powerful because the Holy Spirit is upon us and he is powerful. And we're going to unpack that in the next 20 minutes or so. And I know the word today is, uh, is something that I'm hoping will encourage and spark something in us to actually take action because we don't just come to church to hear a little pep talk. We want to hear the word of God and then put it into action. And in the act, in the combination of the word and then stepping it out, of the worship and then living it out, of the gathering together and then actually going out on a Sunday and not just stopping there but continuing in our world. That's where the power of what it is to be a part of church community is together. So Acts 2.1, let's continue here. And, uh, and the more that you're, you're engaged and step in, the quicker I go. So if you want to get out of here, just be more encouraging. But you're doing great. It's an awesome thing. I'm having fun up here. I get to preach to the central crowd. I, I love it. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. We, I'd love you to, if you know anyone in the downtown area, send them to the central location. But, uh, but we'll do the same here for West. We're in this together. It's an amazing thing. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. I'm going to pause there. This, this is an amazing thing. All together in one place. And I love that we have people joining us online together here with us today but in one place. And I think one place speaks more of uh, being together as a people. And, and yes, gathering together or if we're unavailable or we're away or working away, we can tune in online. But there's actually power when we're gathered together in one place. The biblical pattern laid out from Acts chapter one onwards, we're talking post-resurrection Jesus, he's sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper, is that we gather together. And actually, The Word of God, Hebrews, tells us that we'd gather together more and more as the day of the Lord approaches. But it's so easy in this day, and I see it so often, that it seems the closer we approach to the day of the Lord, and and that speaks of the the coming of the Lord, His return to us, people are feeling it's appropriate not to gather as much anymore, but the Word says more and more. We're to gather together, to be one people, to celebrate together, to... um, be there for each other, to pray for each other, to gather together on special occasions, to gather together on really boring, ordinary occasions. We're created to do life together. That is the book of Acts, and it's gonna be like that right till the end of the day when Jesus comes back for his church. The people gather together in one place, unified. And in verse two, it says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Have you ever found that sometimes it takes a long time for God to move suddenly? Right? Like sometimes you're waiting and waiting and waiting, and then suddenly God shows up. And we see that even with, uh, speaking of Easter over the last couple weeks and and between uh, Good Friday and the Resurrection Sunday, it was a couple days, but uh, 
But that would have felt like a lifetime for the disciples, the people who had done life with Jesus, and they're waiting and waiting and waiting. And for a while, Christ is dead. But then in a moment, resurrection power. But it takes a moment of waiting. It takes a tension that we go through. And I think some of us are in a waiting period and we're thinking that maybe we're gonna step back and remove ourselves because we've been waiting so long. But guess what? God can move suddenly in our waiting. And wouldn't it be a heartbreak? And it is such a heartbreak to see people remove themselves in the waiting. As a pastor, they remove themselves because things aren't happening quite as quick, but suddenly God can move. But if you're not present, if you're not available, if you're not aware, you've walked away from Him, how can God move suddenly when you've closed the doors? Sometimes it takes a long time for God to move suddenly. But when He moves, boy, oh boy, you better strap on your seatbelt, you better be ready because our God's a powerful one. It says they, it moved, he moved suddenly. Suddenly God came upon them in verse three and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's talking about actually speaking in languages that the people around them could understand. We are a Spirit-filled church here. We're a charismatic church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Active today. The power of God's active and that's another sermon, another time, but we want to live that out. But what's happening here is they've gathered in a place where lots of people from different languages and cultures and stuff come together in this town, and they speak different languages, and they were there for trade reasons and for worship reasons at the time, and they gather together. Um, Jews and non-Jews would gather together, but they didn't necessarily speak the same language. And I think this is just a fascinating thing that... Uh, what happens is the power of God comes upon them. They start speaking other languages that they didn't speak beforehand, and then people are able to hear the good news in their own language. You see, sometimes we think when the power of God descends, it's meant to be something that is unrelatable, and it's weird, and it's not great. But actually, the first instance of the power of God arriving actually was to include other people in that and to relate to them and speak their language. Was it a weird occurrence? Of course it's weird. They started speaking languages they weren't meant to speak in but it was also relatable. It was also powerful, and they spoke the language of the day. Let's not become such uh, separated people that we're not relating to the world around us and proclaiming the good news. If you want to find out about the gifts of the Spirit, like I said, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 to 10 lists some of those gifts, but I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking more about when the power of God comes upon them, they go from being hidden, they go from being in a room and not knowing about the future to powerful people, to victors, to bold proclaimers of the good news, to people who won't back down. That's what the power of God does. It's activated in them. It takes them from hiding and timid and afraid to public, secure, and bold. It takes them from feeling dead and dry and unsure to resurrected and alive. This is the power of God that's available to us and that God wants to pour out on his people. And let's skip down a little bit because getting all excited and going too long here today. But verse 14, uh, what ends up happening is they, they proclaim the good news and some people accuse them of being drunk because um, that's an easy go-to for them. They're, they're talking gibberish, but they weren't. They're actually speaking the language of the day. It says, but Peter, so this is Peter who maybe 45 days before this occurrence, this is the same Peter that denied Jesus. Right, so let's like, this is the same Peter who along with the other disciples after um, after Jesus died, he threw in the towel. He said, hey, three years has been great. I'm going fishing. 
I'm going back to what I know because things didn't work out how I thought they were. This is the same Peter who was 45 days or so beforehand was giving up because God didn't come through the way that he thought he might. This is that Peter. But what happens when the power of God gets upon him? Boldness, victory, passion, zeal for the Lord, and a security that takes him from being the denier and the hider to the proclaimer and the public spokesperson of preaching the word here. In verse 17, it says, this is Peter speaking, uh, sorry, Verse 14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed the man of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. I like that. Anyway, some of you guys like that too. But this is what it was added. Some of you guys are thinking, third hour and, well, we'll pray for you afterwards. <laughs> Verse 17, and this is quoting from the prophet Joel. It says, and in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young man shall see visions. And your old man shall dream dreams. And even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapors of smoke that the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, that great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved or shall be saved. Isn't that powerful? I get a little emotional because this is what the Lord is doing in this day. And some of you are saying, so no, 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 it says the last days. Well, we're going to chat about that, but, but we are living in the last days. And that's not meant to be something that freaks us out. The time since Jesus' death and resurrection up until the time that he arrives again, comes back for his bride, is the last days. Biblically, that's what it talks about. It's a, a term, a season between Jesus' resurrection and his return. We are living in the last days, and, and some of us... Um, maybe think that's close, really, really close, and it seems to be in the, around the world at different times. There's prophetic fulfillment happening before our eyes like you can't even keep up. But we're meant to live this tension that, that uh, the last days are coming, and that's actually meant to stir us to do something amazing for the kingdom of God. The last days are on the horizon. That could be tomorrow. That could be a 1,000 years from now. We're meant to live like Jesus could come like a thief in a night. Sometimes I think that has been taught, and, and I hate to add to that, where it's we're meant to feel anxious and like, could it happen tomorrow? No, it's actually the Bible saying that Jesus will come like a thief in the night. So maybe don't get too concerned about when he's gonna come, but get more concerned about what are you doing with the time you have here on the earth today? It's not meant to create anxiety. It's meant to create a passion and a peace and a comfort that, hey, Jesus is coming back. We don't have much say in it. We don't have much control in it, but what are we doing with the time we have on this earth? And uh, and so last days biblically and, and the uh, the Old Testament prophecy from Joel that Peter's saying is getting fulfilled in this moment is continuing to get to be filled up until the return of Jesus, and we are a part of that. Um, like I said, Matthew 24, Jesus says he's coming like a thief in the night. First Thessalonians 5, 2, you know very well that the day of the Lord it will come like a thief in the night. First John talks about we're in the last hour. The New Testament's very clear that the New Testament writers 
authors, the, the apostles believed that they were living in the last hour, which means we are still living in that last hour until Jesus comes back. And I'm not a time setter, a date setter. Um, this is one thing I'll confidently set about the return of Jesus, and I can say this today. Today, we're one day closer than we were yesterday. Amen? And that's an amazing thing. Because the Bible talks about that, that every day that we're closer, we're meant to gather together. We're meant to be more passionate, more excited, more living out the power of God. We are one day closer than we are yesterday. Amen. It's a beautiful thing. So we are last day's people because we're New Testament believers. That makes sense? So if you ever get turned off by that language, you ever get a little, just, just relax, just relax, take a breath, and understand the way that the Bible's saying is we are in that season between Jesus' resurrection and him coming back for his bride, where there'll be a new earth and a new creation. And it's all very, very exciting. It says all flesh. Can you say all flesh? Yeah, all flesh. Guess what? You and I are a part of all flesh. And it's such a powerful thing. And so often, I think we disqualify ourselves from the power of God manifesting in our lives. Even as, as a pastor, I can do this. Well, well I'm not as experienced as, as Pastor Lawrence. That's true. Well, I'm not, I'm not at an age, like how do I pastor and preach and lead and, and have the power of God in a, in a world that doesn't really like pastors very much? Uh, thank you, I'm in a place where pastors are still okay to be asked. But, but you could do this too. Well, maybe I'm too young for the power of God to manifest. I'm not, a, I'm not one who would stand up on the front there preaching. Well, good, we don't need more people standing up front. We need people activating the power of God in the places and situations that God's placed us all in. It's not about what we do, it's are we doing it in the power of God with the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us. But we disqualify ourselves all the time. Well, I messed up. I, I'm, I'm not important. My family, do you know my family background? Do you know what happened to my marriage? Do you know what happened? Do you know my relationship with my kids right now? Do you know what I've done? Surely this isn't for me. Well, the Word of God says, all flesh. The power of God will be poured out on all flesh. It actually says male servants and female servants, which in the context of the day and age would have considered if there was anyone that was going to be disqualified, they would be the ones. But the word of God and Peter's words of, of declaring that prophecy says that all flesh are invited and will have access to the power of God in their life. Can I hear you say power? I hope you're getting the point today of what I think God's trying to say to us and stir up, that the power of God is available and we're to create, live powerful lives. We're living the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that, that the power of God will manifest in a powerful way. So three, three quick thoughts here in the last four minutes of how we can foster the power of God or the Holy Spirit relationship in our life. Um, first, I think, is we've got to check our mindset. What, what's our, what do we actually think about the power of God? What do we think about the Holy Spirit? What's our theological convictions around is God active today or not? This is what I've found. What I believe and, and what I see and what I come in expecting in my relationship with God has so much to do with what I can actually get out of it. Does that make sense? What we think. Um, the, the Romans tells us that we're meant to uh, not conform to the patterns of this world, but renew our mind to think. What, what, are we, what are we thinking about the power of God? Do we think it's a, a nice idea, a, a nice thing out there that we'll just keep out here in its little box? Or do we go into our day thinking and knowing that the power of God is available to us? What do you think about the power of God? 
Have you done a deep dive into the scriptures and not just trusted what, what we see up the front here or what people say about the power of God, but have you found the words and the scriptures that um, impact your thinking about the power of God? Um, number th- uh, like the third part of our statement of faith here as C3 Global Church or a C3 Church is our third conviction or what we believe that you can find in our statement of faith is we believe in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit with his fruits and gifts available to all the church. That's a core belief here. And I believe God's asking us to stir that up again and live that out. The power of God is real and accessible, but what do you actually think about it this week tomorrow in your workplace, whatever it might be. The second thing is Holy Spirit. How's your relationship with the Holy Spirit doing? This is always a a funny thing, right? Like we we seem okay praying to the Father um, and through Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit is equally a part of God and it's equally deserving of uh, our reverence and our, our attention, but often we treat him like the friend who doesn't get invited to the party sometimes. I don't know if you've found that. It's very easy to do because, because I think it's, it's the one that's a little bit more unpredictable in our life. Like these guys were waiting, gathered together, suddenly God showed up and they started speaking in different languages. A little crazy town, a little wild, but exciting. Much more exciting than just thinking about God, the information, the power of God and the presence and the relationship of the Holy Spirit is the secret source to living out our Christianity. And it's something that God wants us to connect with. So do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Jesus actually said, just prior to going through the um, awful things he went through on our behalf and then dying on the cross and rising again, he said, hey, it's actually better that I'm going because I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit, the helper to have a relationship with. At that point, that's where we all went. Like Jesus says, what? You're crazy, man. It's, wouldn't it be better if you just stayed with us the whole time? But Jesus actually said, no, it's better you have the Holy Spirit. Drop the microphone. We all go home. That's a mind-blowing thought that the Son of God is saying, hey, hey, it's great that I'm leaving because the Holy Spirit's coming. Are we accessing Him? Do we have relationship with Him? First Thessalonians, two things that I think impact our, our relationship with Him sometimes is um, First Thessalonians 5.19, Uh, Paul warns us to do not quench the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. So we all have the Holy Spirit with us. He's in us. He's active. At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. But we can actually quench the power of God in our life. Doesn't mean God doesn't love us. Doesn't uh, mean that he isn't fully for us and that there's any work we can do. But if we can quench the Holy Spirit, the power of God, to me that shows that we can actually do something to, um, for lack of a better term, unquench it to fan it back into a flame, to, to, to do something. But are we quenching the Holy Spirit? Um, Britt and I, we've been going through a survival show moment where we enjoy watching a survival show together. Does anyone like, you know, like Bear Grylls, it used to be for me. But we've been watching one now where they, people get dropped off and they, uh, with a stranger and they have about 30 days to survive in the wild in these extreme conditions. But this is what I've noticed watching this show. Um, because we know that reality TV is 100% right all the time, right? We know that it's all purely recording the truth. But no, what, no matter what environment they're in, whether it's a cold one, a hot one, no matter if it's a harsh desert or a jungle, one of the first things that survivalists try to do is get fire. They try to produce fire. And uh, 
because fire is key for survival. I believe fire is key for our survival as, as Christians as well, the fire of God on our life. But what, I was watching one the other night and they, um, the, the lady who was dropped off on the island was spending hours and hours like making the fire and making it work, making it work. And she got it, like blisters and she was rubbing wood together and, and she got the fire going. And the guy had one job. He was just meant to not let it go out. Yeah, people are already hearing what's going on. But what happened is as a tropical storm takes place and, and he fell asleep while he was on watch and a droplet of water gets on the fire and it, and it quenched the fire. And it was like, brother, bro, you had one job. You had one job. Just leave it to the other person. But this is what happened. The fire was quenched. But fortunately, even though it was quenched, even though it had it, been nearly gone out, there was still an ember glowing. And I believe there's embers glowing all over this place today. And what they did was they picked the ember up and they fanned it and they blew air on it and they cared for it and and what was previously quenched actually started to turn back into a glow and it actually became into a fire again are we quenching this holy spirit and the thing is the amazing graceful thing about god is that that can be undone through repentance sorry god that i quenched your spirit sorry god that i i ignored you when you prompted me to do that lord i'm sorry can you fan it back into flame again and the power of god in his grace comes back to us if we quench the spirit Repentance, turning from that, but then fanning that flame back into, uh, back into action can stir that up in our life. And the other thing is in Ephesians 4 verse 30, I got to really roll along here. Um, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We can actually make the Holy Spirit sad. Did you know that? He, the Holy Spirit has emotions and, and relates to us most similar than, than how a, a friendship would relate to each other. And we've been in a season actually as a, as a world globally, whether we knew it or not, where a lot of grieving is taking place. Grieving the loss of things that are gone, grieving the loss of people that have gone, grieving the loss of restrictions or freedoms that we thought we had or jobs that we thought were secure. And we're in a season of grieving. So we all know what it's like to grieve. The Holy Spirit actually can grieve us too in the sense that he's sad, not at us or not disappointed with us, but sad that the relationship hasn't flourished how he wants it to do, be flourished. And the Ephesians actually defines this for us in, in summary. It tells us in verse 31, some of the ways we do this is through bitterness and rage and anger and brawling, slander, malice, through outward actions and behaviors that contradict the, the, the nature of God, that actually makes the Holy Spirit sad in our life. But the great thing is, just like a relationship with a person, we can go and we can actually turn that grieving into joy again. We can actually, by the way we live, by the way that we relate, by the things that we do, by the, the way we come back to the Holy Spirit and say, I didn't, I was silly. The way I've been acting has been making you grieve. Holy Spirit, would you forgive me? Would, you, would, would I be able to come back in? And he's so gracious and good that he comes back. So how is our power of God in our life? How is the relationship with the Holy Spirit, have we quenched him? Are we grieving him? If yes, then what a great opportunity to turn that around today. If I can have the band back. Hope this has been okay today. I'm trying to stir up in us a passion for the power of God again. And the vision that God gave me was that some of us have uh, our cord out of the wall and he's plugging it back in today and we're going to be able to switch things on, but it's going to take a choice today. How's our relationship, how's our mindset around what do we actually believe and think about the power of God? 
How's our mindset? And the third thing would be, are we putting faith into action? Are we putting our action and our belief in the power of God, uh, like our, our thought that the power of God's real, our thought and belief that the Word of God talks about that, are we actually putting it into action? You see, you assemble something, you put it all together, you turn it on, but then you actually have to utilize it for it to be of any benefit. Are we utilizing the power of God in our life? Are we living like powerful people that God's created us to be? We have access to the power of God when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And guess what? It's not fair for anybody else that we get that. But that's the grace of God. That's the promise. We have an advantage as sons and daughters of God. That's what His Word says. It doesn't make us better. It actually gives us a responsibility to are we using what God's given us to make a difference in the world around us. Has our mindset around the power of God that comes out in our relationship with the Holy Spirit need to reconnect with Him? And are we putting faith into action? What do you expect this week? Are you expecting a powerful life or a powerless one? When we arrive to church even, are we expecting for God to do something or expecting it will just be another day? When we arrive to work tomorrow or school, are we expecting, hey God, Your Word says in the last days You will pour out Your power in such a manifestation that no one can deny it. Are we going in expecting that? Or are we expecting it to just be another day? Church, I believe God's stirring up in us a reminder today, an invitation to allow the Holy Spirit to make us powerful for His kingdom. And whatever that looks like, that doesn't just mean in the church, that means in wherever we find ourselves. But the, the signs of the power of God is that we won't live as victims, we'll live as victors. We won't live defeated. We won't let circumstance bring us down. We will actually bring circumstance up to the kingdom of God's level. We will say, we won't be dragged down by the world around us. We will bring the world up to a higher level of experiencing God's power. That's what the power of God does. It relates to the world around us. I hope that's been encouraging today. Skipping over some other stuff here, but I do want us to take a moment to pray because the important thing is that they were directed, the disciples, the apostles, the, the guys who were with Jesus were directed to wait until the Holy Spirit came. The temptation for you and I is to work, work, work and to, to make it go and to make it happen and to get out there and do great things. And God can meet us in that. But I'd encourage you this week, are you willing to wait and go, hey, it's actually not up to me. It's up to the Holy Spirit's power in me. There's things I can do things I might need to change, I might need to repent, I might need to shift things. But are you willing to wait to act upon the power of God? So I just want us to stand in this place and I'll pray for us. And I, I really want to pray for anybody after the service today who, who you feel this is getting stirred up in you. You uh, maybe have felt the, the plugs being unplugged from the Holy Spirit and you just want uh, myself or the prayer team to stand with you and, and really declare and believe that God's plugging that back into the wall. If you've never met Jesus in this place, part of the prophecy that Joel said that all who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's as simple as calling on His name. I'd love to lead you in that. But let me pray for us all together. And if you're in this place today and you feel that God is stirring up um, the 
the desire and the zeal and the passion to see the power of God manifest in your life. Would you just put your hands up out in front of you? Maybe you've experienced that in your life before. Maybe you used to see God do amazing miracles and things. You've been in a season where that hasn't been the case, but you're getting stirred up again. Can you just put your hands out before the Lord? I want to pray for us before Pastor Tim comes in and closes. Because today, it's not about the word that was preached. It's about our responding to what the Holy Spirit's doing in our heart. So we'll wait just for a moment. And if that's you, why don't you respond some way to the Lord today? His presence is good, hey church? His presence is one that doesn't condemn. It's not one that's heavy. It's not one that makes us feel bad. Jesus says his yoke is easy and light. But when there's conviction by the Holy Spirit, there's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing more beautiful. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, today, your word that says that when the Holy Spirit's upon us, the power of God will manifest. Lord, I thank you today for we're people who are seeking after you and want to live out everything that you have for us on this earth, Lord. So where the world's distracted us, where we've become unplugged from the power source, where we've become frustrated, so we thought we had to work harder, we thought we had to really do something, and we've taken our life apart, and we've put it back together, and we've taken the Word of God, we've taken our prayer life, and we're reconstructing and deconstructing and demolitioning and doing all these things trying to work. Lord, would you give us the power and the ability to just wait? on the power of God. And this week, as you've stirred in us today, that we would be able to step out with a mindset that knows that you're powerful and you're doing things today. With a, with a, our relationship with the Holy Spirit would be stronger and clearer. We'll be able to pursue your presence, Lord, in a beautiful, grace-filled way. And God, that we would be able to act out of faith, knowing that you're a God who has made us to be victorious in your name, and in you, by the identity we find in you, God, and that we're not victims of circumstance, but we're victors over circumstance because of resurrection power upon each person here today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.